All right, it is that time once again. Let's hit the books. Part of the Hammer Betting Network. I am Brad Powers alongside Corby Craig. And the one, the only, we are gifted by his presence, Mr. Rob Pizzola is going to hit the books with us today. Obviously, we're going to be talking NCAA tournament, March Madness. And specifically for this show, we're going to give you what you all want, and that's picks. That's best bets, three best bets from each of us. First off, guys, happy tournament week. I'll start off with you, Rob. Uh, how do you attack as a hockey guy, as an NFL guy? How do you attack the NCAA tournament? Blindly, I would say. I mean, uh, this is this is not my bread and butter. I'm giving the people what they want here in terms of picks. I will say I'm going to be putting down my own money on whatever I bet here over the course of the tournament. Um, I'm more of a casual recreational better when it comes to March Madness. I do have the ability to set my own numbers. Do I think that they're extremely valuable relative to what other people are doing in this space? No, but I love to have fun with it. I mean, you only get this one time a year with games going on all day with the like the implication and the magnitude of these types of games. Um, so I'm going to be on board with my own numbers, trying to find edges, and then trying to dig a little bit deeper into some things that maybe the betting market doesn't. I think a lot of times people are just betting their model numbers into the betting market and not accounting for some other certain things. So I go the edges or under the covers a little bit more, uh, but uh, full transparency to the people, uh, you might have just as good a shot of beating March Madness as I do. <laughs> Small sample size too. And, and, and I'll say uh, coming from a guy who's been doing it a while, uh, the real week to take advantage uh, of a lot of numbers, uh, especially if you're recreational, it was last week, conference tournament week. It's just a more unique handicaps, more soft numbers than, than this week. Corby, you're a guy that follows college basketball a lot more than, than me and Rob. How do you necessarily uh, attack March Madness? Are, are you betting as soon as possible? You have your own model, your own numbers, and, and then you look to play back. I mean, are you betting every game? How are you attacking it, Corby? Yeah, there's a lot of different factors that go into March. Uh, there's so many injuries just over the course of the year. We're at like, what, game 30 at this point. So um, a lot to go in, but I do trust my numbers at this point. I've watched way too much basketball, and, and this is my prime season. So there are hockey guys, football guys, and this is what I live for. My college basketball, March Madness, I think it's the greatest time of the year. So this is what I'm excited for. Now it's just try to pick it through the weeds, figure out if those Miami centers are going to be playing and, and find spots where – Maybe teams didn't adjust too much, but March Madness, NIT, CBI. Oh man, this is we, we got some we got some nasty games coming in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, hopefully it's not nasty for for your uh, bankroll. Uh, I, I'll say this: uh, NIT, CBI, CIT type stuff. I, I do bet that. I think there's some soft numbers there, especially when you got motivational the disparities. Rob, we are going to hit. Correct me if I'm wrong. Three best bets. We're going to go what? Gold, silver, bronze, is that how we're going to rate them with gold being the top? Is that how we're doing this? Well, in the theme of the Hammer Betting Network, we yeah. will go gold, silver, bronze, but we'll change them to the hammer equivalent. So we'll go sledgehammer as our gold, claw okay. hammer as our silver, and we're going to go with the welder chipping hammer. Very underrated hammer, but a small one as the bronze. And let's build the suspense. So how do you want to handle this? You want to start off, I would say, with the welding from the three of us. We'll just go around the horn and then work our way up to the sledgehammer. Is this how you want to attack this, Rob? Let, let's go that way. I think that makes the most sense. That way people have to at least stick around to the end to get the best bets, right? Well, let's fire it away. And I'll tell you what, since you're, you're the boss, let's start off with you, uh, the welding hammer, uh, as far as – and this is just going to be for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday – uh, the March Madness specifically, 
NCAA yes. tournament? Yep. So I'll start with uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Colgate getting okay 13 and a half widely available number 14 at DraftKings if you're price shopping against Texas. And I'm always mildly concerned about these types of matchups, especially with you know most of the Longhorn squad is seniors. But I like what Colgate brings to the table as an underdog. And obviously, the Patriot League is is not the Big 12. But it's hard to ignore a 13.5-point dog that shoots the ball as well as Colgate does. Number one in the nation, effective field goal percentage. They can create shots from anywhere on the floor. But maybe most importantly, though, is that they don't give away possessions. So they only turn the ball over on 15% of possessions. That's the 16th best turnover rate in the entire country. I think that's important against a Longhorns defense that can be very active. Having a team that shoots well, regularly gets shots on every trip down the floor is very appealing. Now, the Raiders, they leave a lot to be desired on defense, but it's not like Texas's offense is, is like super elite in any way. They're solid, good across the board, but they shoot less than 34% from three-point range. So it can be sometimes difficult for a team like this to build up a margin. Of their seven top players in terms of usage, not a single one shoots better than 36% from beyond the arc. So I, th I think Texas is going to win the game, but ultimately you're giving me this many points with a team that shoots that well, gets a lot of possessions. I, I like Colgate in this spot. And also Colgate with uh, some history as far as recent history with an old team. Been to the tournament. This will be their third straight appearance. Don't uh, No disagreement uh, from me there. Corby, uh, you're the college basketball guy. Uh, do, do you concur with Rob? Yeah, I think Colgate's shown the ability to score in bunches all year. Also, Texas has just really struggled. Timmy Allen's been hurt as of late. Uh, he is going to be back for the tournament, but um, is he 100%? So also, Texas is a team that just like – I think that their tempo schemes have been adjusted towards the games that they've played all year. I don't think it's natural to how they actually want to play. Their team is built not to be this fast. They're built – they're, they're, they're playing the tempo range around the 60th in the nation, and they're built more for a team that's would be in like the low 110. So I found myself on a lot of Texas unders this year um, and, and had good success with that. And, and a Colgate getting points would make a lot of sense towards an under. So can Colgate run up the pace with Texas if needed? Yes, but I don't think that becomes as much of a factor. Uh, I look towards the under on this game, but I do agree with Colgate getting points here. Corby, I'm going to go right back to you. What, what is your little welding hammer play of the week? <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was looking around. Uh, I think Houston first half has gotten steamed. So uh, earlier today, it got steamed. So I'm going to go Houston full game minus 19. If that's available number, I don't have numbers in front of me, unfortunately. As as we talked about the last show of powers, my uh, computer crashed. So I'm using a guest computer currently. But I think 19 is available. Uh, Houston is a team who defensively uh, has been able to shut down a ton of singular team scorers. So uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Northern Kentucky is going to have a one-person offense at work. Uh, he is basically their entire offense, shooting 31% of their shots. He's in the game 86% of the minutes, and he is a really good shooter, 37% from three, 82% from the free throw line. We know that this is Northern Kentucky's entire offense. They play slow. They can't do much else. So can Houston shut them down? Shut him down, basically? Um, and I think they can. We just saw a Houston low getting smacked around by Memphis, but Sasser was out. Sasser's going to be back. Uh, he warmed up with him in the Memphis game. He just didn't want to play for precautionary reasons. Samson talked about it, said he probably could have played, but he didn't play. Uh, so Houston on a bounce back, facing a team that is a one-dimensional, one-scorer team. I think that they can basically do as they please and show that they probably should have been the one overall seed here. 19 is available. I would worry that the only 19 that I'm seeing uh, out of 15, 20 books is at Circa. 
Uh, and when everybody else is shaded 19 and a half and they have 19, that would be a little bit of a concern of a guy that's, you know, amateur when it comes to really breaking down deep dive in college basketball, but reading markets, that would worry me a little bit. I was going to ask you about Sasser. You are extremely confident he's going to play. If so, that, then I can agree with you. I think a little <clears> bit of the early betting has been with the thought process that Sasser is not going to be hundred percent. Yeah, just from just from interview, obviously the coach is going to say that he's going to play, but just from what I could I could get and looking at the play and, and seeing, listen, I'm no medical expert by any means, but I, I think the Sasser's in at this point. Um, they looked miserable versus Memphis, so if he's not, I understand the steam up to a, to any number that it wants to, but I will say it it's 19 at circa, but uh, the first half just got steamed this morning from a 10 and a half to 12, basically 12, 12 and a half everywhere. So I think Houston's starting to get some money in, in some instance. I was looking at a team total under for Northern Kentucky, but really don't have enough availability to look around. So I'm going to look 19 with 19 and a half, whatever, whatever's the most commonly available number with Houston. I think Houston shuts Northern Kentucky to a very minuscule amount of points. All right. Fair enough. So that is Houston. Uh, for Corby, and again, uh, we had uh, Colgate for Rob. I'm going to go to a total. I'm going to go to uh, a Friday game, USC-Michigan State. I'm going to go under the total, under 137.5. For me, two very competitive teams, two relatively slower tempo teams, especially Michigan State for me. And, and specifically why I kind of like the under here uh, is, you know, we got an early start time uh, with one of these games, and we typically see with a lot of, uh, you know, some of these early first-round games, uh, with early start times, you see some lower scoring. We saw it already in conference tournaments. If you blindly bet the under in every single conference tournament game, you're hitting on the open 55% versus even the close after the numbers have been steamed under 53%. And I think with an early start time, two competitive game, two competitively uh, even match teams and a slow tempo team, specifically in Michigan State, I like under 137 and a half as my welding pick hammer pick uh, of uh, the, the show here. Rob, going back to you, your second pick. All right. So this is not rehearsed or scripted or anything <laughs> in any way. We have the entire board to choose from Thursdays and Fridays. My claw hammer pick is Michigan State USC over 137 and a oh, half. Oh, no. Minus 110. <laughs> um, again, I'll go back to like I'm not an expert in this space altogether. Here's what I think. I think people are really hung up on the possession length numbers for these teams. Like, obviously, you can't ignore this stuff. Pace matters, obviously, when creating a total. Both MSU and USC force opposing teams into lengthy possessions. They each average over 18 seconds per possession on defense. MSU, one of the slowest adjusted tempos in the entire country. With that said... I think there's something about this matchup where I think the style of each offense works favorably against the opposing defense. So there's only three tournament teams that are worse than Michigan State in two-point field goal percentage. UFC, USC defends the two very well because they have a ton of height, fifth tallest team in the entire country, but they're far worse at defending the three. And Michigan State has the fourth, fourth best three-point percentage in the entire nation. They have three players. Uh, the three players who have attempted the most threes on their team are all 42% or better from beyond the arc this year. So I like that and that on that side of things. USC, on the other hand, they don't do anything supremely well on offense, but they do push the pace. They have an average possession length that's actually under 17 seconds. I'm not sure a lot of people would have actually realized that. And with the game expected to be close, point spread is just one and a half. I don't think it hurts either that both teams are very good free throw shooting teams as well, uh, both extremely efficient from the line. So... I, I get all the things you said, Brad. 
and I'm a little bit scared about the early start time as well. I don't know how much that's accounted for. It's not. When I was trying to project the total on this game, I projected 141. So that was a pretty sizable edge according to, to my numbers. Um, we'll see. what uh, Guaranteed winner on Hit the Books this week. There is one guaranteed <laughs> winner on this show this week. Well, I'll say this because I'm not afraid to be self-deprecating. Uh, I liked Rob's handicap much better than mine, to say the <laughs> least. Much stronger handicap. And keep in mind, stronger play. He's going with a step up than mine. Claw so hammer, you, baby. Yeah, if you're going with the claw hammer uh, and you're you know trying to decide which one to go with, I would bet and go a little bit more with Rob. Corby, claw hammer pick for you. Yeah, just to digress a little bit back on that for a second. Um, Are you right you, to tie? You tell me who's right or no, wrong. No, no, no. I, I was just going to give my opinion since, since there's two people on it. I'll give my opinion. But um, <laughs> yeah, I had this at 136.6. So basically no fun from a projection standpoint. The one thing I will say, and it leans me more towards an under than anything, but I don't love it, is Drew Peterson, USC's probably primary guy, um, has been playing, but he is definitely playing hurt. He, he played 38 minutes the other day, 0 for 7 from 2 with 9 points. He scored 9, 9, 5 in his last three games. And, and that's not something that goes on an injury sheet, but he is playing hurt. Um, if you've watched him play, he limps off the floor. During timeouts, he walks back to the huddle. He is, he's playing hurt. Uh, is he better now? He's They've had a, a week or so off, so maybe he feels fine, but uh, he's been playing with a hurt ankle for quite some time at this point. Good to know. I, my, the, the the calculator over here does not capture that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but and also it could play to a higher speed. Peterson's going to be a post up. He's he's going to try to force isolation, so that might speed it up. Who knows? Like whatever you want to think with that, uh, but it is something that doesn't get put into numbers enough, I don't think, because he is a very good scorer. Your claw hammer pick, Corey. I got you. So um, I'm going to go a decently early. I, I would consider 12:30 early. On Friday, Baylor versus UC Santa Barbara, under 143. Baylor is a team that we've seen all year play two speed, but I think people give them faster than they think uh, just because their speed is guard plays in transition. When they actually get into the half court, they slow down. Uh, they try to run a double pick and roll, and, and it never works. So then it becomes isolation basketball basically every single time that they play. I don't have their tempo number in front of me currently. I am pulling it up. Their tempo number is 217th in the nation. And average possession like they're second in the nation in offensive efficiency, which this number should drop versus Santa Barbara team, who is a really good defending basketball team. The issue is Santa Barbara is 302nd in tempo. They don't want to play towards any kind of speed at all. If they do, they get blown out 100%. They cannot play this game in the 70 range. But the biggest thing for me is this game is in Denver, and I, I don't think that is adjusted enough towards a slight elevation. I don't know if it matters much, uh, but the main thing is that Baylor is going to be able to travel to Denver you see Santa Barbara people, I'm sure, will be able to as well. But uh, just just the idea that if this number was exactly 145 is where it opened, um, I, I think that it should have been accounted for a little bit, the fact that these games are in Denver. And I don't believe that it was by any means. I had this in the mid-130s, so I think it was 139. So uh, four points. I, I feel plenty fine here. I've bet this Baylor team. I have Baylor Futures on the Hit the Books College Basketball Show. I have no Baylor like the back of my hand, unfortunately. And so I think this number is too big. They play slow. They have the guards um, and, and their bigs don't really surprise me by any means. So if the guards are hitting threes, by all means, but I've watched them enough to know they're not going to be hitting threes. So give me the under here. I have personally bet that already. So I agree with you, Corby. I do like the under there. You mentioned the elevation. I'm not sure that either team is going to prefer to run, be running up down the floor. Uh, neither one is really used to playing in elevation on a consistent basis. So I agree with uh, you on that one. Uh, any added thoughts, Rob, on that? 
Uh, just my number is 141 and a half. So seeing the market right now at 143 and a half, I, I guess I'd be inclined to agree, but I, I don't want to pretend like I know anything about the Cal Santa Barbara Gauchos. That's not, <laughs> that's not up my alley or expertise. I did see him in person here uh, in, uh, you know, the Big West Conference Tournament in Vegas. Uh, you know, they had one game where they really went up and down the floor. It surprised me, the semifinal game against Riverside. But other than that, they played really slow-paced, uh, for you know, in two of the three games in that tournament. Uh, I guess it's to me, and this is going to sound square, uh, and it, 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 you know, concerns me a little bit, but I'm going to lay the four with Kentucky on Friday. Uh, several reasons. Number one, I like to watch, you know, I'm not a guy that's originating college basketball in November, December, January. I really get started getting involved in February. Uh, I saw this team get bet on significantly, specifically in their last game. Obviously, extremely disappointing performance against Vanderbilt. They lose outright. And all this positivity that had been surrounding Kentucky, you know, in the previous six games and how they played, kind of, I think, has gotten thrown out the window just because they got outright upset, lost to Vanderbilt. What I've seen from Kentucky is a team that was banged up uh, in the regular season finale. They're missing multiple stars, and yet they went on their own beat an Arkansas team. I think it's a Kentucky team this time of year that can kick it up a notch. That's something I'm looking for when I'm betting teams. Uh, you know, can, can you do you have that extra gear in you? I just think for for once, there's some negativity surrounding this program because everyone remembers they were a two seed last year, lost outright in the first round of 15 seed St. Peter's, and, and the you know the year before they didn't even make the tournament. But I go back to the previous three tournaments with John Calipari, and they actually exceeded expectations. They won multiple games in each of those tournaments. So believe it or not, he actually does usually perform well in the NCAA tournament. And on the flip side, you look at this Providence team, uh, did not perform well down the stretch. They're not playing their best basketball. Their head coach looks like he might be possibly moving on. He's up for other jobs. So I think Kentucky here, uh, it'll be a square pick, but I'm going to lay the four with Kentucky. And I think the line closes higher than four when it's all said and done. Any thoughts? Some thoughts? And you're going to tell me your uh, your sledgehammer picks on Providence, Rob? I'm I'm not. So I'll, I'll get to my sledgehammer pick in a second. One thing I like about Kentucky, and specifically I like this for the, the NCAA tournament, it's a little bit trendy. I kind of hate to mention it because I'm not a big trends guy, but I think that there's certain statistical profiles that work well in tournaments. And the thing with Kentucky is they ended up second in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage this year. So you get one of those games where you have a bad shooting performance and you get those second looks, you're much more live over the course of the tournament than a team that just can't rebound and is reliant on their shooting. So that's one thing with the Kentucky profile, but I'm not going opposite that, going to a different game with the sledgehammer pick. Uh, I think some people are really getting caught up in the fade the Mountain West talk. I like Utah State laying one and a half against Missouri. I like this quite a lot. And a lot of this is to do with Missouri's profile. Good shooting team, 17th in the country, ineffective field goal percentage, but they have no size. They don't generate second looks off of misses. They're the second worst team in the nation in opposing offensive rebounded, rebounding percentage as well. Uh, oppo opponents generate a second chance on 37.3% of possessions against Missouri. And Utah State, they're an even better shooting team than Missouri. They're 12th in effective field goal percentage, 11th in three-point percentage. Now, obviously, you put two good shooting teams together. Anything can happen. There can be a lot of variance in that type of game. But if Utah State has an off day from the field, they can generate second possessions. On average, they're the 32nd tallest team in the country. Missouri is 284th in team height. 
They're almost two full inches less on average or shorter on average than this Utah State team. So if Missouri has an off shooting day, they're cooked. Like plain and simple. They're just not going to generate second second looks. Utah State's had way more games this year where they've held opponents to below their seasonal shooting averages, whereas Missouri has not had many of those games. So I honestly, listen, I'm not I'm not a huge college basketball fan. These are efficient markets. There's some books that are taking some some like real money on these games right now. But this was my biggest edge from a side perspective. I think Utah State should be upwards of a four-point favorite in this game. I think getting them laying one and a half is a, is a big bargain. Uh, quick, before I get to you, Corby, and your thoughts on this game, uh, any thoughts, Rob, on the total in, in this one? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm bang on in terms of the total. Also, like, this is one of those games, based off the profiles of the teams, where I would be very reluctant to get involved in the total because I think that there's there, like there's certain games that are going to have a, a smaller range in outcomes. And I yep. think that this one has, when both teams are so dependent on their shooting, who knows, right? Like it, it could be off the map one way or another. Fair enough. Corby, you're, yeah, I have bad Utah State. I will say a very sharp group came in on Missouri yesterday, but uh, I have our, I'm very, I didn't play back. Uh, I'm very comfortable in, in my Utah State ticket. So you get full agreements uh, with me, Rob. Uh, Corby, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, two things. First, I couldn't agree more on the the idea of not backing a total here. Like, I mean, you could see 128, you could see 168. It all depends on how these teams shoot. Uh, for the side, I, I completely agree. I have Utah State as a as a pesky game versus Arizona in the second round. I think Utah State's a team that people are going to sleep on just due to the fact who this. They're 18th in the nation for Ken Palm. It's not like this team isn't good by any means. Like, you're not talking about a Cinderella going dancing. They might sound like that kind of team, but this is a senior. Veteran-driven team shoots the three ball. If they're hitting, like it's hard to beat any team that can shoot threes like they can. And they play schemes that they're not just shooting contested threes. They run offensive to get good shots. So I, I really like Utah State there. They they handle Missouri. Missouri's a team that I thought's overrated basically all year. And then I think Arizona really struggles with this Utah State team overall. But uh, that's a completely different conversation. Well, I mean, who would who would you rather trust? Right Angle Sports, who has multi-years, decades of proficiency in betting college <laughs> basketball, or Rob Pozzola, who is now modeling the games for the tournament this week, going back to last year, 1-0 and in the last one season's betting college basketball right here. 100% proficient. There you go. Who would you rather trust? You, obviously. <laughs> Fair enough, Rob. Very well put. Love, love that. Corbin, your sledgehammer pick. Yeah, I got you. We talked about this one on the uh, opening. I, I gave my number. You said you would max the other side if that was the number, and I'm sticking to my gut. Uh, San Diego State, minus five versus Charleston. I said this number should be nine, and I, I do not hold that back. I still think that that number, I think five is crazy. I've bet four, four and a half, five. I'm seeing some five and a halfs around. Feel fine. I've bet San Diego State all year. Um, this is a team, listen, I I had the most fun I have had in betting basketball in a long time watching this team uh, versus New Mexico at New Mexico this year. They walk down the court, I have them by one and a half. They come down by down one, don't even think about the two. Straight up, pull a three, bang out, game winner. I win my one and a half. I don't know why they didn't try to get to the basket, but no complaints. The San Diego State team is, what, 30th in the nation in bench minutes. They are all completely out-bodied, out-physical bench minutes versus a Charleston team who also has a deep bench, 21st in the nation. But Charleston's eight-man, I'm telling you, 
will have no chance versus San Diego State's eight man off the bench. It, their bench minute continuality doesn't compare by any means. Starters versus starters, yes, Charleston does have a really good basketball team. They lost three games this year. I think that might be where from this team is. But you have to understand that the three games that they lost, they struggled versus Towson twice. Towson's a, a pretty decently talented athletic group. Uh, they were beating up on teams that were good schemat- schematic-wise, but they weren't good uh, talent-wise. So this is the this is the most physical team they've faced all year. San Diego State will grab every offensive rebound, not even worried about it. The only way that Charleston keeps this a game is if they can shoot lights out, which they have the ability to. The issue is San Diego State has sticky defenders that that are one of the most annoying defenders I've watched in the nation. And Tremel Butler's a great defender. Matt Bradley, if they need an ISO guy at the end of the game, I'm sure y'all have watched Matt Bradley play basketball. Cal, Cal use average like 30 a game. He is the he is the ISO guy. He doesn't want to do anything else. So if this is a close game at the end of the game, give Matt Bradley the ball. Uh, I think San Diego State's set up for a really good tournament. Unfortunately, they run into Alabama. So uh, that would be the end for them. But until then, they're the most talented team that Charleston will see probably the last two years. Yeah, a little bit of a theme here uh, with the Mountain West. I mean, I do think there's a little bit of value on Mountain West. There's just a narrative out there, media narrative that, you know, and obviously last 10 years, I mean, Mountain West as a conference has been the the worst conference against the spread in in the tournament. But uh, I think you're getting, if you want to play the Mountain West teams, you're getting some shorter numbers because of that narrative. I agree with you, Corby. I know you mentioned on a live show uh, on Sunday's selection show, I, I ended up laying four with San Diego State. I, I just didn't like your nine. I didn't think that was going <laughs> to yeah, be no, I, there, It was so. definitely a hot take. I, but yeah. <laughs> again, it's the reason I bet on this team. I'm, I'm trying to look. I think I've bet on this team on 13 of their 32 games. So like uh, I've, I have been off on their number a ton, and I continue to back this team. So that's probably why my number was too high. I'm aware that it was too high. But uh, a six and a half open would have made a lot more sense to me than a four. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the top 10 team in defensive efficiency played a much tougher schedule. I think people are enamored with that overall record of Charleston bringing in 31 and three. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Rob? Yeah, so like Charleston 31 and three record, like you mentioned, but their efficiency numbers don't jump off the charts. Like if you look at them, they're not even top 70 in either offensive or defensive efficiency. They don't shoot the three at all. They have, I mean, it's it's really challenging to see where. Charleston has an advantage in this game and this is being priced as it's a, as if it's like a very very close game altogether. So, um yeah, I mean the three-point defense for San Diego State absurdly good through the roof this year at defending the three altogether. I I, th- I think you guys are correct in that a lot of the narrative built around this being an upset is off the backs of Charleston's record and I think if you dig deeper into their overall portfolio the Cougars just they don't they don't look that good. There's nothing that pops off the page as this is a team that is going to be able to compete with some of the better teams in the country. Fair enough. And I guess we will close it out with my sledgehammer. And I'm going back to the SEC and I am going to take Auburn and I'm going to lay the one here against Iowa. I'll, number one reason for me is kind of more of an anti-Iowa handicap in the fact that I am not a fan of their coach McCaffrey. There's a reason why he's never been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament in Iowa, uh, even though he's consistently made the tournament. I think, again, Auburn is a type of team that has a little bit more athleticism, can kick it up a notch this time of year. I think you're buying Auburn a little bit low because they closed the season so, so poorly. I mean, the, the four nine in the last 13 games, although when you look at those nine losses, all of them legitimate with the exception of a Vanderbilt team that, that was red hot towards the end of the SEC play. All those teams that they lost to are better teams than Iowa. 
And I think you're always looking for that half point point, uh, you know, type of, uh, of edge this time of year because the lines are tighter. I'm not sure that it's properly being priced that this game's being played in Birmingham, Alabama. I know you get, you know, the, the tickets are split and whatnot, but if there's anybody out there that, that doesn't have much of a rooting interest, I, I think you're going to be, and you want to, you're local, you want to go to the game. It's not like Birmingham, Alabama hosts a lot of NCAA tournament games. I think you're rooting for Auburn. So I think the crowd edge here is definitely in favor of Auburn. So I'll lay the one here with the Tigers. What say you guys? Fun fact, Brad. I uh, I live in it in my I reside in Birmingham, Alabama, and I will okay. be at the game. I'll paint up for the Tiger. And let me tell you, uh, th- 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 there will be a lot of people there. It will be Auburn Alabama split because they both play um, on that day. So Thursday, you get Alabama and Auburn, and the Alabama fans would like to see Auburn beat Iowa for sure. So you think? Even- I don't know oh, that rivalry. That, no, that kind of concerns me. I forgot about that. No, they <laughs> listen. When it goes out of state, we we become Auburn fans fast. I uh, I have dealt with it my entire life for some reason. I wish it was the Blazers in there, but listen, that won't even get there. Uh, we'll give it to Auburn. I agree. It was going to be my second of this one, uh, but I did not talk about it. So I, I completely agree. Can't wait to be in that game. What is the yeah. world famous Rob Pizzola's uh, infamous college basketball model? What does it say on this game? So for for first round matchups, especially when there's two pretty evenly matched teams, I'd much prefer to side with the team that is more balanced. So Iowa, very good offense, horrible defense, right? And you know you're going to get a horrible defensive performance out of them every game. You just don't know that the offense is always going to be there and consistent. Whereas Auburn's much more consistent on both sides of the ball, right? They're not they're not elite at, at, at playing offense or defense, but their efficiency numbers are top 50 in the country in both. I'd much prefer that squad if I'm betting on a team in this type of range, like sort of pick them range, toss up type of game, than the team that we know is going to be horrible on one end of the floor with, with pretty much virtual certainty, which is Iowa's defense in this game. Any closing thoughts? That'll wrap it up as far as the three best bets from, from each of us. I mean, I'm just excited. This is – for someone who doesn't even really bet college basketball over the course of the year and a Canadian, obviously, like we have – you know, I grew up with not a lot of coverage around March Madness. Once I found the tournament, it was like, that's it. This is my go-to every year. So I'm pretty what is excited. It for you, Rob? You got probably NHL playoffs, right? No, not even. Or NFL playoffs. Not, not, yeah, I, I, the NFL playoffs are me. People don't know this about me. I actually don't bet the NHL playoffs I, oh, I, wow. because I, I, I spend so much time over the course of the year that I'm burnt out by the time NHL playoffs come around. So it's like, okay, I can actually now finally cheer for my favorite teams and what I want to happen. I do very little betting in playoffs, but this to me is right up there. Like you wouldn't imagine this, but like my inner group of friends, bunch of Canadian guys based in Toronto, we're all going to take Thursday and Friday off of work to get together to watch us college basketball. Like it doesn't even make sense, but once you, once you add betting into the equation as well, and a day like just pure entertainment, no one knows what's going on. Uh, I I'm, I'm stoked for this tournament. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'll fill out my last minute bracket contrarian style bracket root for the team that nobody's rooting for to win type of thing. But, uh, aside from that, I, I do look forward to, to, to like knowing that I don't have much of an edge, but trying to grind out a profit for the tournament. That's the goal for me. I absolutely couldn't have said it better myself. Corby, I'll leave you with the college basketball guy with a final thought here. Yeah. Uh, make as many local brackets with your friends for 20 bucks as you can have fun. That's the most important part. Also realize like if you know anything about basketball or how to read a market or how to even just look at a future sheet, 
you can probably make a bracket better than most of your friends because they can't do that. So um, I've had a lot of success over the years just picking off these like 15 man pools of like, hey, you want to join my bracket this year? I'm going to have Alabama in the championship. And it's like, okay, that's free money. I'll gladly take it. But most importantly, it's the greatest time of the year. Listen, this is Christmas for me. I, uh, I just, I will be watching Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sleep on Sunday, and then get back at it on Monday. So I, I can't wait. Guys, it was a pleasure. Uh, best of luck to us. Uh, I, I'll concede Rob to the USC Michigan State over for, for the better of the program since you had as a, str a stronger play there. Hopefully we can at least go five and one on these best bets. But more importantly, you guys enjoy the tournament for everybody watching out there. And this was once again, hit the books, part of the Hammer Betting Network.